Welcome to the weekly sermon podcast from the First Christian Church in Great Bend, Kansas. We are a church with a mission of inspiring ordinary people to live extraordinary lives for Christ. It really doesn't matter who you are, what you have done, or how you choose to worship. You belong here. We pray that this week's sermon blesses you and that you feel God's presence through it today. Today we are in the third week of our sermon series called You Don't Have to Be Perfect. And as you guys know, what we're doing in this sermon series is we're taking some time to examine some of the most influential people in the Christian faith, people whom God used to transform the world, but not to lift them up. No, instead to see just how imperfect these great leaders of the faith really were and how God used them anyway. So in week one of this series, we examined uh, the life of Abraham. And what we discovered about this man who was known for his faith is that Abraham also had a whole lot of doubts and God used him anyway. Last week, we examined the life of Moses. And what we discovered about this man who is arguably one of the most influential religious figures in the history of the world is that when God showed up to call Moses for the very first time to go out and do all these great things, Moses responded by saying, oh, my Lord, please send someone else. And God still used it. So this week, and to continue to build upon the same thing, we are going to be getting into how Jesus' disciples are a couple of floats short of a parade <laughs> when it comes to understanding who Jesus was, which I hope is going to make it extremely clear that you don't have to have it all figured out. You don't have to be perfect to follow Jesus. So the first thing you need to know about Jesus' disciples is that apparently Jesus saw a whole lot of potential in these uneducated, ordinary, average men that I don't think anybody else would have chosen. Because in the ancient Jewish world, what it meant for a disciple to be chosen by a particular rabbi is that not only would this disciple be required to learn all the rabbi had to teach, but in the end, they were ultimately expected to take what they had learned and then go out and teach what they had been taught and do what their rabbi did, even making more disciples. Which means the main reason Jesus called his disciples is because he was training up these 12 men, these 12 ordinary average men, so that eventually he, they could take what he started to the ends of the earth, right? He was leaving it in the hands of these ding-dongs, as we're going to see in just a second. And then, as you'll find in the New Testament, in the historical record, these guys, against all odds, they did an incredible job. Because here we sit almost 2,000 years later as followers of their rabbi, as members of the kingdom of God. And not only that, but according to the latest statistics, there are 2.38 billion Christians in the world today. Or one in three people on this planet at this moment are Christians. And it all goes back, when you think about it, to these 12 men who took what Jesus taught them to the ends of the earth. So just like Abraham and Moses, like we talked with them, these men are a huge deal, did incredible things. But even though all that's true, what you'll find when you begin to get in the details of these men's lives is that they were far from perfect. They were far from having it all figured out. Or let me just show you a few of the many examples you will find regarding the cluelessness of these men when it comes to their faith. And I'll start out with the, the small, which we all kind of get, and then we'll get into the absurd the things that just don't make any sense whatsoever. 
So as you follow the storyline of the Gospel of Mark, one of the first examples you're going to encounter about the disciples being a bit confused is with the interpretation of Jesus' parables. And then after Jesus taught them the parable of the sower and then goes on to explain that parable along with explaining what parables are in general, Jesus gets a bit frustrated with his disciples who come and ask him, you know, what does this mean? So he said to them, do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand any of the parables? And what I find so interesting about this particular um, thing that Jesus says to his disciples is this is very early on in the ministry and Jesus is already frustrated with these guys because they just don't get it. He thinks they should have it by now, but they don't. And then what happens when you keep reading is you'll find that this is just the beginning of Jesus' frustration because right after that, this happens. A great windstorm arose and the waves beat into the boat so that the boat was already being swamped. But he was in the stern asleep on the cushion and they woke him up and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we're perishing? And waking up, he rebuked the wind and said to the sea, be silent, be still. The wind ceased, and there was a dead calm. And you guys have heard this story, right? Jesus and his disciples are out on a boat going from one side of the Sea of Galilee to the next. Uh, While they're out there, as common on the Sea of Galilee, this huge storm came up. And Jesus is taking a nap in the midst of the storm, which I don't know how you're taking a nap when it's raining on you. But apparently, he's pulling it off. And so they get worried that the boat's about to sink. Um, And they wake him up. And so Jesus gets up and he does the unthinkable, right? He says, be still, be calm. And in a moment, it's all gone. I mean, it's absolutely, I mean, what would you do in a moment like that? But what's also very interesting about this story is how Jesus responds to his disciples after he calms the storm. He says, why are you afraid? Have you still no faith? Now, side note here, I'm going to take the disciples' side on this one. If I'm in a boat and I'm about to sink, I'm waking someone up on that deal. Right, I'm getting yelled at on that deal. That, that's just me on that. Then what we find playing out as we continue reading through the Gospel of Mark is right after Jesus calms the storm, he just continues to go out and do even more amazing things. First of all, he casts out a legion of unclean spirit from one man into a herd of pigs who end up drowning in the sea. Next, we find a woman who's been bleeding for more than 12 years, healed in a moment by just reaching out and touching the hem of his garment. But most amazingly, we find Jesus then goes on to raise a young girl from the dead. But what we oftentimes miss when we're reading the the Gospel of Mark, because we're so caught up in in all the amazing things Jesus does, is not only Jesus go out and continue to do all these amazing things, but it's also the case he sends his disciples out to do the exact same thing. So he called the 12 and began to send them out two by two and gave them authority over unclean spirits. He ordered them to take nothing for their journey except a staff, no bread, no bag, no money in their belts, but to wear sandals and not to put on tunics. Yeah, so Jesus says, hey guys, you've seen what I've done? Now go out and do it. And guess what? They go out and do it. So they went out and proclaimed that all should repent. They cast out many demons and anointed many with oil who were sick and cured them. Yeah, these guys actually did what Jesus did out into the world, which is absolutely amazing. So surely, at this point in the story, given all the disciples have seen Jesus do, and given that they themselves now have the ability to do some of what Jesus is doing, surely now the disciples are starting to get it. You shouldn't be able to do stuff like that if you don't get it. Well... What you find as you continue to read the story is even though they should get it, they don't. Clearly they don't. 
Because what happens right after this particular episode, after they've gone out and were proclaiming and healing and all that kind of stuff, um, they get back from this tour, I call it the evangelism tour, and the very next thing happens is Jesus is out teaching again. There's this large crowd out in the middle of nowhere. The disciples start to get worried about these people not having something to eat, which is a valid concern. They're out in the middle of nowhere and people need to eat. So they come to Jesus. When it grew late, his disciples came to him and said, This is a deserted place. The hour is now very late. Send them away so they may go into the surrounding country and villages and buy something for themselves to eat. Or, hey, Jesus, these people haven't eaten in a while, so we probably need to send them away so they can be okay, right? We don't want anybody passing out. We don't want anybody dehydrated. Any of that kind of stuff. Remember, this is kind of a desert area. And you guys know what Jesus says, right? He says, you feed them. You feed them. Which at this point, I believe Jesus says because they're supposed to get it. They're supposed to know what to do next, but they don't. Are we going to go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give it to them to eat? Or Jesus, are you out of your mind? Where do you think we're going to get the kind of money to feed over 5,000 people? It just doesn't make any sense. And and then you guys know the rest of the story, right? Even though the disciples don't get it, Jesus goes on to feed more than 5,000 people with a few loaves and fishes. And, And then what makes the disciples look even worse than this story, right? They look a little foolish here. Is that in an almost identical situation, about three chapters later, where Jesus again tells his disciples to go out and feed the crowd, guess what they do? Where are we supposed to find money to feed these people? Right? They just still, they just don't get it. And on and on we can go with examples of these disciples, just these these ding-dongs. I mean, as you keep reading, you will find that Jesus catches these guys arguing about who's going to be the greatest. James and John come to Jesus one time and they ask him if they should call down fire on people who have rejected him. When Jesus tells them for the first time that he's going to suffer and die on the cross, Peter, the lead disciple, the the guy who's supposed to get it, takes Jesus aside and begins to yell at Jesus, rebuke Jesus, because he thinks Jesus has got it wrong. And then it's even the case that when Jesus in his greatest time of need or when Jesus is at that moment where he's facing the cross, the way these disciples respond is not by sticking by his side, And remember, they all said that they would be willing to die with Jesus. No, what you'll find is as soon as things start to get a bit dicey, they all begin to walk away. Or one by one, they go on to betray and abandon their rabbi. How do you do that? How do you walk away? But even with all of that, it actually gets worse. It actually gets worse than that because after the disciples watch Jesus die on the cross and then witness the miracle of resurrection or are standing in the presence of Jesus after he has died and has been raised again, this absurdity happens. Matthew 28, 16 through 7 says, Then the eleven disciples went out to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Do you see that? When they saw him, when they saw him in resurrected form, he was dead and now was alive. Some worshiped, but others doubted. How many of you feel a little better about yourself at this point? (laughs) 
right? So what blows me away is even after these disciples had just spent three years following Jesus around, bearing witness to all the amazing things he did, and then went out and did some of that stuff themselves, and even after they watched him die, only to witness this man coming back to life, it says that while some worshipped him, others still doubted. Others still don't get it. Now, what I love about the example of these clueless disciples is that it makes it extremely clear you don't have to be perfect. You don't have to be close to being perfect. You don't have to have it all figured out to be a follower of Jesus to go out and do great things in the world. No, what these disciples help us to see over and over again is that God is really, really good at taking ordinary average people, people like you and I, you know, those, those kind of people who don't get it, who have a hard time wrapping their brain around those things according to faith. Yeah, God is really good at using those clueless people to change the world. Because if God can take a couple of disciples, right, these men no one else would have chosen, these men who clearly don't get it. And the funny thing is, is we're talking about before, or just right after the resurrection, when you read the rest of the New Testament, it's not like they've got it all figured out even more. I mean, they get it a little bit more, but it's not like they got it all hammered down. No, they continue to go out and do this stuff. If God can use people like that to change the world, don't you think he can use you? Don't you think he can use you to do something amazing with your life? Now, what makes this story even better is what Jesus does next. This is what blows me away. Because instead of sending these disciples away who just don't get it, who these people who continue to have doubts, which I think in that particular situation, no, Jesus does this. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you to the end of the age. Yeah, even when it comes to those disciples who miss the point, those who doubt when he's standing before them, resurrected, what does he do? He doesn't send them away. He sends them out in the world. He sends them out with this message of hope and grace and peace. And you know what these guys do? You know what these ding-dongs do? They change the world. We wouldn't be here today without the disciples doing their work even though they weren't even close to having it all figured out. Oh, come on, that's amazing. That's amazing. And you know what it ultimately means for you and I today? Those excuses we all like to make, you know, I'm not smart enough. I don't get it. I have some doubts. So I can't, I can't go do anything good for God. I've got these things going on. They don't work. They don't work. So maybe what you need to do is quit making those excuses and accept yourself just as you are. Ask God to help you and go out and do incredible things. Or maybe, or maybe what you need to do is just show up. Because what I think we've seen time and time again in this series is God's not looking for people who've got it all figured out. God's not looking for people who have it all together and you show up and you can do great things because of that. No, God just needs you to show up and he'll use you in spite of you, to do incredible things. Because you don't have to be perfect. You don't have to be perfect to follow Jesus. Let us pray. Father, we love 
the story of the disciples because it makes us feel so good about ourselves. In them, we see our own lives because sometimes we get it. Sometimes we do great things with our lives. And then the next moment, we're doubting. The next moment, we're caught up in sin. So today, oh Lord, help us to see that you are really, really good at taking people like us. People who don't have it all figured out, who've got questions and doubts. People with sin. And using us in spite of us to go out and cause your kingdom to come and your will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. Or Lord, help us as your people stop making excuses and just show up. And just show up expecting you to use us to do what needs to be done. Lord, we ask this all in your name and for our sake. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon, and we hope you are able to join us next week. To learn more about FCC Great Bend, visit us online at firstchristianchurchgb.com. Again, that's firstchristianchurchgb.com. God bless and have a great week.